0: AM 1060 KDUS Tempe, Phoenix, and KSLX HD2
1: Scottsdale, Phoenix.
2: It's now time to enter the sports zone with your host, Bob Kemp owns the tiebreaker so if Arizona loses not only do they give up first place but there's a game that separates first from fifth. Great right ball moving pass. again.
1: And a three from Caleb Love. Shedd fires and hits! A three for Jamal Shedd. And there's Edie. Clutch free throw number one. We're tied.
0: Bowie into the backcourt. Off he goes with three seconds, with
1: two seconds, the floater, short, and he rebounds it. Ashworths have the hot hand. First first game they didn't attack, now they're getting more of the attack mode. Ashworth again for three, he can't miss. (laughs) And the inbound taken away. Farabello, he's gonna dribble it out, and the Blue Jays have never flown higher for the first time.
2: Such an important player for the Gales.
0: Nebhardt shoots a three, good! Balloting and Walter Davis should absolutely be in the Hall of Fame as we see Nigel Pack back on the floor and back to business. We just watched Nigel Pack go to the locker room but whatever they did, it worked because as soon as he steps back on the court, he's back to getting bucked. Akins has
1: four for Michigan State. And a steal. Walker takes it away. Walker all the way. Two
2: outs, seventh inning, runner at second. And an 0-2 pitch coming up to Hunter Goodman.
1: Swing and a miss, Blake Snell has got ten strikeouts.
2: Blake Snell coming off after seven no-hit innings and uh, getting hugs all the way around.
1: Can Michigan pay it off? J.J. McCarthy, he'll run it with a lead! Touchdown, down Aids! I think they're unathletic. I don't think they move well laterally. I don't think they're going to pick it up in the next week. Uh, I think they're slow laterally. I mean, Sean Conway gives you everything he can. He's slow laterally. About five guys of slow laterally. Dial
2: 602-260-1060. That's 602-260-1060. Or tweet the show at KDUS AM1060. And now, here's your sports zone guide, Bob Kemp, on KDUS AM 1060.
0: Welcome to the Wednesday, February 21st edition of the Sports Zone, not just the news and scores, the news and scores with analysis. In today's Sports Zone, right here on KDUSAM 1060 and KSLux HD2 100.7, March Madness 2024, which top seed wins if it's not UConn? Speaking of UConn, what happened last night? More college hoops, which team has been most disappointing? The Yankees, do they become the AL favorite if they sign Blake Snell? The Broncos, should they draft J.J. McCarthy? Rick Patino, should he blame himself instead of his players? And what else caught your eye since our last show? Here's today's schedule lineup on the show, which is the most informative sports talk Monday through Friday. In moments, we'll have the introduction of today's pipeline. 10:15 15 around college basketball. Justin Williams from the Athletic schedule to join us in the next segment. 10:30 interactive action. 602-260-1060, also some bottom line and some local roundup stuff. Meanwhile, final segment of the sports zone will be the national roundup, including the latest line for some college basketball for tonight. Combination of to rip from the headlines from the wire, a little from the scoreboard, etc. Then after the sports zone from 11 to 1 o'clock, it's the extra point hosted by Kayla. Right now, onto the pipeline we go.
2: Time for today's Pipeline, where the host reveals the hot topics for
1: discussion.
0: And we start with a KDUS poll question at KDUS1060.com. Today's question is, which team has the best chance of winning the NCAA tournament in 2024? If UConn does not repeat, your choices are Arizona, Houston, and uh, Purdue. And Kayla's here and has the early returns. Houston leading the way at 60% of the vote. Uh, U of A and Purdue trailing at tied at 20% apiece. That quartet of teams, those were the top four seeds in last Saturday's early NCAA tournament top 16 uh, released by the uh, tournament committee. Meanwhile, speaking UConn, the 14-game winning streak ended in stunning fashion last night, blown out at Creighton. UConn's 85 66 loss last night at Creighton. What happened? Today's expo question which has been the college basketball's most disappointing team? gonzaga miami and michigan state are your choices and uh, once again kayla has the early returns
1: gonzaga leading the way at 54.5 percent of the vote michigan state trailing at 45.5 percent and miami no love at zero percent of the vote or maybe that is love for them
0: i don't know however you perceive it (laughs) over on x at kdos am 1060 they have the worst record of the three. Uh, those three teams were all top 12, by the way, in the Associated Press preseason poll. Meanwhile, spanning the globe, heard through the spring training grapevine, the Yankees' interest in Blake Snell has reportedly increased in recent days. Would the Yankees become the favorite to win the American League if the 2020-23 uh, NL Cy Young Award winner Blake Snell signs with the, with the, the Bronx Bombers? Meanwhile... Uh, the Broncos have the 12th pick of the uh, 2024 NFL draft. They're expected to part ways with Russell Wilson, whose his, his Denver home is uh, been, uh, it's on the uh, for-sale market right now. That was reported over the weekend. Meanwhile, should the Broncos cut Russell Wilson? That seems to be a foregone conclusion. And should they select Michigan quarterback J.J. McCarthy with the 12th pick of the first round? Meanwhile, uh, Rick Pitino ripped his St. John's players, among many things. You heard a couple of those things, called them unathletic, called them slow laterally. Uh, this was after his player, players, most of whom he recruited and you know, basically ran off some guys at St. John's and kept some and got a whole bunch of transfers. Anyway, that was his team out there. They blew a 19-point lead and lost by six on Sunday at Seton Hall. And then you heard a little snippet of the postgame press conference he went on after that, too, but that was just some of it, uh, in the, uh, the Sunday postgame press conference, and uh, it was uh, interesting. Should Rick Pitino look at himself and uh, not rip his players uh, like he did in that game on Sunday, the loss to Seton Hall? Meanwhile, in addition to all these excellent questions and topics, what else caught your eye since our last show? That's the pipeline for today with all these tremendous topics and much more during today's sensational radio program. Anything else in your mind falls into the general discussion category. So, whether it's a sports topic on your mind or something else, 602 260 1060, sports related, of course, 602 260 1060, or retweet the show at x.com slash kdusam 1060. Basically, the only rules are accuracy and objectivity. If you violate those rules, or if you're just simply bad, you will be the target of this. Oh! All right. Coming up next, Corey will have a news update that'll be followed by around college basketball. We will cover many topics, including some of the questions I just had. The pipeline there. Uh, we'll do, definitely do that in the next segment. Uh, once again, at the bottom of the hour to be phone call time, general discussion, 602 260 1060. Also, some bottom line answers from the pipeline questions that you just heard. And uh, time pending, we'll get to uh, some local roundup. Uh, the local basketball teams, Sun Devils, and if you want to go down the road, the Wildcats, they're all back in action tomorrow night. Uh, so we'll do a little refresher since uh, you know, they haven't played for a little while, at least since last week, in, some, in all three cases to some extent. So we'll get to that in the bottom of the hour. You're listening to the Sports Summit. With Bob Kemp on kdusam AM 1060 and KISS, Lux HD 2, 100.7. Caddy Ray Adams takes you beyond the 18th hole on Saturday mornings with Great American Golf from 6 to 7 a.m. on KDUS AM
1: 1060.
0: Welcome back to the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and Castelux HD 2 100.7. Your home of the Dan Patrick Show live Monday through Friday from 7 to 10 a.m. Connecticut's winning streak ended last night at Creighton to go around college hoops. We're out uh, to the KDUS hotline we go. We're now joined in the sports zone by Justin Williams from the Athletic. And Justin, let's start that game from last night. UConn outscored 42 to 9 from behind the arc uh, by Creighton last night. That's difficult for any team to overcome. Anything else stand out in uh, you know, UConn's first loss last night in the last 15 games?
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I was just kind of surprised the same UConn team that beat a really, really good Marquette team on Saturday by 28 points. So, you know, it just kind of shows the the volatility of, of college basketball. I was talking to a, a coach recently, and, you know, they said you can talk about all the stats and metrics and everything you want, but it's still a 40-minute game with, you know, 18- to 23-year-olds now. Uh, so, so, really, any night anything can happen, but uh, I, I'm with you. I was kind of surprised to see a UConn team that, you know, I think – could easily be the favorite to win the title come out and, you know, on the road and another team hits some threes, you can, it can snowball. I mean, you can, you can look like a bad team, even though you're really
0: good. You mentioned a couple of things, you know, the 23 year olds, and also on the road. Uh, have we seen this many road upsets? I don't remember this many in the past, but, is part of that because, you know, a lot of the players are older than they have been in recent years? And, you know, any other re- uh, you know you, you, reasons why there's been this many upsets, and uh, especially in road games for top 10 teams?
2: Yeah, it's funny you mentioned that. I, I got to shout out uh, my colleague Brendan Marks wrote a really good uh feature for the athletic last week the week before just kind of about the parody this season in college basketball. And, and he talked about some of the things you mentioned, the fact that there's some older fifth and sixth year seniors, you know, whether it's they're using the COVID year or whether NIL is kind of an excuse for them to, to stay an extra year and play. And then you add that with the transfer portal. And I think you kind of get a little bit, um, you know, better dispersal of talent and you have some teams who maybe aren't quite as talented um, from like a high school recruiting standpoint, but they're older and they're more experienced. And I definitely think you're seeing that show up in you know these games, whether it's unranked teams beating ranked teams, or, or or like you said, you know a game like UConn beating Marquette by 28, and then going and losing by by 20 to to Creighton. So it definitely feels like it's a little bit more wide open this year. Or you know we could be here in a couple weeks, uh, you know month or so, talking about Purdue versus UConn in the championship game, and and maybe won't feel that way in the end. But I'm with you that right now, kind of heading into conference tournament time and march madness on the horizon it just it feels like it could be one of those seasons where a team that's really old and experienced and fundamental you know goes on a big run in uh in march madness and honestly we, we kind of saw that last year with teams like florida atlantic and and san diego state who weren't necessarily highly ranked but just had good squads that uh you know got hot at the right time and i think we could see a repeat of that this season
0: Okay, one more thing from last night with UConn is it's no big deal for them, uh, big picture wise, or did they maybe have some weaknesses exposed that other teams can take advantage of?
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I guess I would say if you're a team that can come in and shoot lights out from the three point line, then you know maybe you have a shot against them. But you know, I saw a couple other people talking that this is actually when you want to lose a game if you're a team like UConn you know, some teams in the past who uh, have gone into March Madness on a huge win streak on a hot streak, and, you know, then maybe they kind of run up against it that time of year, whereas if you get this game, this loss out of the way, now they can kind of regroup. Um, So whether that proves to be true or not, I do think there's some some credence to the fact that if you're going to lose a game, you'd much rather lose it now than in the Big East tournament or, or in March Madness. So I don't think it really hurts UConn's chances. I don't think it gives anyone else a better chance of beating them. But I do think it shows that if you're a good team like Creighton and and you're hot on the right night, then you can definitely go out and beat anybody.
0: Okay, One of our two poll questions today, in fact both poll questions are college basketball topics, but I re- this was written before last night. Uh, question is, uh, you know, which team has the best chance of winning the NCAA tournament if UConn does not repeat? And I just took the other three number one seeds from Saturday's you know, selection show or early selection show: Arizona, Houston, or Purdue. So, of Arizona, Houston, and Purdue, which team do you think has the best chance to beating UConn when we get to March, or I guess early April? <laughs>
2: Yeah, it's funny. Like, so I was in the building in Columbus last year when Purdue lost to uh, Fairleigh Dickinson. So, you know, it, it's hard for me to like just completely jump on the the Purdue bandwagon. But this is, you know, it's also the same blueprint that Virginia, you know, hit a couple a few years ago, right, where they they lost the one seed and they came back and and won the championship. I, I think Purdue is better than that team they were last year when they were also a, a one seed. I think Zach Eadie's better. I think their guard plays a little bit better. But if if we're talking specifically about a UConn matchup. Like I love Houston, um, you know. I, I think they defend really well. I think Jamal Shed is so good as a point guard, and I just think they're kind of a, a tough and and nasty team that would really give you know a, a team like UConn, which is great offensively and defensively. I just I think the way they guard can maybe give UConn some some problems on the offensive end. My fear for for Houston in terms of making a run is they don't have a ton of depth, and I think they're kind of like positionally small. And, and for a team like UConn that has you know, Castle and, and Clingon is really big on the inside. Uh, I, I guess I would maybe give the edge to Purdue if we're talking specifically about beating UConn, but just in general, Purdue and, and Houston um, are, are the ones to me that I think like, if it's not going to be UConn, it, it might be one of those two teams.
0: Houston, you know, jumping from the AAC to the big 12, are you surprised they've been this good the first year in the big 12?
2: A little bit, you know, uh, I, I followed them really closely when they were in, in the AAC. And, and again, they they were good. They made it to the final four, elite eight. It's not like, you know, they were catching anybody by surprise, but just that, that gauntlet of playing in the big 12 night after night conference play. I thought we might see a little bit of signs of, all right, you know, you're not playing, you know, no offense to Temple and Tulsa and some of those AAC teams, but it's a lot different when you're playing, you know, Texas and, and Texas tech and, and Kansas, uh, you know, back to back in conference play. And And so I've been pretty impressed with, you know, Kelvin Sampson's definitely built a, a very strong program there. But for them to come in, you know, Big Twelve year one, and for them to be atop the standings and and kind of make that transition without stumbling at all, at least thus far, that to me shows just how good they were. Even though we we already knew that because of the the deep tournament runs, that this almost reinforces and and um, kind of amplifies
0: that. Justin Williams from the Athletic, currently in the Sports Zone. Arizona what would you consider to be uh, its strength and uh, you know, what might be some areas that good opponents can exploit Yeah
2: I mean they uh, the, the Caleb Love thing like you know I know that was kind of a whirlwind this offseason but you know geez, it looks like he's going to be Pac-12 player of the year and I think he just kind of gives them a a dimension a, a dynamic that they maybe haven't had in the past couple years The knock against Arizona is really not not a knock against them it's just how weak the Pac 12 has been this season. Um, you know, I think Washington State's kind of making this nice surge, and I know they play tomorrow night, I think, right? Um, yes, that'll be an interesting they do. game. But it's just, you know, they that conference might get two teams in Arizona and then maybe Washington State, maybe Utah. It's just kind of surprising how down that season has been. As a team, though, I don't think they have a ton of weaknesses. You know, Caleb Love in the past has been a streaky player. So maybe if it's one of those situations where he goes cold at the wrong time. But the way he's played this year, I've actually been really impressed with. and He's been more consistent than I expected. And so I, I wrote earlier this week, I think there's a chance that maybe Arizona is kind of like very, you know, they might get a number one seed, but it feels like they're kind of doing it quietly just because there's so little attention paid to the Pac-12 this season because it's not that that strong of a conference.
0: Our second poll question is kind of the opposite from the first. You know, which team has been most disappointing in college basketball this season? I took three teams that were in the preseason, AP Top 12, Gonzaga, Miami, and Michigan State. So, of those three teams, which one do you have been most disappointing? I mean –
2: Gonzaga and, and Michigan State still have a good chance to to make the tournament. Definitely Michigan State. I think they've kind of I think they lost the other night but they've they've turned it around a little bit. So out of those three, I feel like you might have to say Miami just cuz I don't you know they're not anywhere even really in the the NCAA tournament conversation. So you mentioned in that, we just talked about the Pac-12, you know, I don't remember exactly what their preseason expectations were. There was so much hype around USC entering the season with. Getting Isaiah Collier, the number one freshman. They get Bronny James. uh, I think they had Dennis Rodman's, you know, son transferred there. And there was just so much hype. And maybe it was more – you know, or clearly it looked like it was a little more sizzle than steak with that team. Cause they just have kind of completely fallen apart. I know Collier got hurt, but that's one that jumps out to me is there was so much hype, like, Oh man, these USD games are going to be crazy with Ronnie James and Collier and, and all this attention on them coming into the season. And that one's completely fallen flat. You
0: know, the, the Miami thing, uh, any ideas of, as to why they have just you know it's not like the ACC it's not like the ACC is murderer's row here you know what what has happened to that team? No, it's a good question. I mean, you know, it's they're I think a team that uh,
2: maybe overperformed the, the the past couple seasons, right? They, yeah. they made that um, NCAA tournament run, you know, early a couple years ago. And then I just think you know it's you know like Matthew Cleveland was a really um, highly touted uh, prospect, but just hasn't completely like hit his stride in, in college. And um, the Pack's a guy who you know played really well a couple years ago, uh, and it just hasn't totally worked out this season. I think the defense has just been kind of suspect, um, and really it's, it's cratered here recently. I, I have to look back, but I think they've lost like three or four in a row. Um, mm-hmm. So they were you know kind of one of those teams who were you know, hit conference play, and, and we're struggling to go on a win streak, and now it's just, it feels like the bottom's falling out. Um, but, yeah, you know, I, I can't necessarily point to something specific of why it hasn't worked out. I just I think it's a team where, you know, that all the pieces haven't completely gelled together. And you're seeing this other places, too, like Flo- Florida, the same state, is a good example. They brought in a few transfers, you know, started the season fine, but now all of a sudden it feels like everything's coming together. You can almost point to this with a Kentucky team, too, that has a, a mix of young players and some older mm-hmm. transfers. Sometimes it, it gels and comes together and works. Sometimes it doesn't. feels like with Miami it hasn't or it certainly hasn't yet. And some other teams, even though maybe it didn't happen right away, it feels like it could be happening for them at the right time, like Florida or maybe Kentucky.
0: I'm pretty sure I would have put Kentucky in that question uh, had they not played that game in Auburn last Saturday when uh, seemingly they turned their season around. So, just while we're you know, while you bring it up, uh, you know, are they just too young? What's happened with Kentucky? Are they they can't guard anybody, but they guarded fine in <laughs> Auburn last Saturday? I'm confused.
2: <laughs> no, you're totally right. I think it is. You know. We've seen this before with Kentucky, right, where they have all these freshmen who come in and, you know, the one-and-done freshman teams aren't quite as successful in the past couple years because of what we talked about with older teams and transfer portal, but there's been times where Kentucky would kind of struggle and then towards the end of the year, the freshmen would grow up a little bit and they'd hit their stride. And this year, even though they have some guys like Reeves and Trey Mitchell, you know, older guys, the guys who transferred in, they also have uh, Reed Shepard and Wagner and um, you know, the the Dillingham, the, the the guard, and it feels like on nights when everything clicks, like it did against Auburn, you mentioned, they look great. And then they don't play a lot of defense, so on nights when it doesn't click, they just give up 80, 90 points and, you know, look like they, they're not going to have a chance to do anything. So for that team, you know, they're just one of those streaky teams that, like, if they have a good couple weeks when the SEC tournament hits and the NCAA tournament hits, you know, they're going to look mm-hmm. like world beaters and they can go on a big run. Or they could have that one game where they're cold from three-point line and they don't play good enough defense and they get beaten the first weekend. So to me, they're they're a total toss-up team. Where like I wouldn't be surprised if they they make a run to the second weekend, elite eight or something like that. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if they don't even make it to the Sweet 16.
0: Talking college basketball, with Justin Williams from the Athletic. Okay, Rick Pitino had a few things to say after the St. John's loss on Sunday. They blew the night. They were up 19 in the first half, ended up losing by I think it was six or eight points. Among other things, he called his players unathletic and uh, slow, uh, slow laterally. Uh, This is his group of players. He just kind of shut up, or he's never going to shut up, right?
2: (laughs) Yeah, you know, I think he's. It's a couple things. He's at a point in his career where like he doesn't have to go out and say the politically correct thing, right? Like St. John's knew what they were getting into when they brought Rick Pitino in. He, you know, he can go out and kind of say whatever he wants. That's just the, you know, the the record and history that he's built up. I also think this is, you know, I don't necessarily agree with the way he's doing it, but I I think he's, you know, maybe doing some chess moves here where he's talking about how bad the facilities are and how, how bad his players are. Well, for a team that has kind of fallen out of the NCAA tournament discussion a little bit is struggling this is like a way for him to kind of get some attention and you know whether it's the administration or the boosters of St. Johns or whether it's players who are thinking about entering the transfer portal well now suddenly they're reading these stories about a team that is not playing well and is struggling and they're thinking well maybe we need to improve our facilities or maybe I can go transfer to St. Johns and play right away cuz you know I'm I'm laterally quick and and I can beat out some of these guys so Maybe he was just mad and blown off steam, or, you know, I'm not complaining past Rick Pitino. The guy's won a lot of games. This could be a, a smart chess move by a really experienced coach, you know, finding a way to drum up some interest here late in the season when the team's not playing well.
0: He got some interest for sure. No doubt about that. <laughs> uh, you know, of course, Petino left uh, Louisville. That didn't end well. Uh, it's gone going well at Louisville now with Kenny Payne. Any idea as how they can fix that program, which has been great for a lot of years in the last 50? Uh, it's a mess right now. Can you know any ideas how, or anybody that uh, comes to mind that could turn that around? Who should they pinpoint? I assume they're moving on from Kenny Payne at the end of the year.
2: Yeah, I would have to assume they'll be in the market for a coach. You know, this to me is an example of. It does matter who you hire. Um, You know, Kenny Payne came well regarded and and he's an alumni and it feels like a slam dunk hire. A lot of times, though, when when you bring, you know, kind of a beloved son alumni home, it doesn't always work out. But this is a school that, you know, it's basketball crazy. There's tons of resources there. If you make the right hire, I think there's a very good chance it works out. I'm not sure exactly who that would be. You know, I'm based out of Cincinnati. You know, Mick Cronin was an assistant there under Rick Pitino years ago. He came to Cincinnati, had a lot of success. He remembers what the weather in the Midwest is like, so I don't know if you're going to be able to pull him away from Southern California and (laughs) UCLA. But he seems like the type of of coach where, you know, you at least got to make that call because if he would say yes, I feel like he would come back and have tons of success there. But you're going to have to convince him to do it. Um, And and he's kind of one that jumps out. Uh, but there's no other names, you know. Dusty May, I know, has been talked about for Indiana and, and Ohio State. You know, I think if he if he wanted Louisville, he would be a good fit there. Um, I don't know exactly who that right person is, but I, it feels like Louisville is one of those schools where if they do find the right person, if they do get the right hire, that that school is always kind of a, a team that has a chance to elevate and, and win a national championship because of the, the resources they have and the support they have there.
0: Okay, you mentioned Ohio State and Indiana. Obviously, Ohio State fired Chris Holman on Valentine's Day. Uh, How good is the Ohio State basketball job, and who do you think might be a fit there?
2: Yeah, you know, they made the move early, and my thought was, well, maybe they're doing that to go after somebody like Dusty May, because he's been mentioned for an Indiana job that might come open. So, you know, why would you make that move that early at that point in the year? Maybe you're trying to get a jump start on the kind of the coaching carousel cycle. I think Dusty May would do great there. Um, you know, I, I know Chris Mack, we talked about Louisville. That's, that's a name that I've heard is, you know, he's considering trying to get back in to, to the coaching ranks. I don't know if you could sell Chris Mack, someone that didn't work out at, at Louisville, but he's had past success kind of keeping it in that region. Sean Miller, who's down at Xavier, his name's been been mentioned as well as, you know, if, if he wanted to go somewhere or maybe they have the NIL a little bit more in place. He moves there. It, it, it's such a weird job because everyone just cares about football there. And so, you know, basketball, you're totally under the radar. You're totally the little brother. But because of where you're at and because of the resources of that program in the Big Ten, you know, you do have pretty much everything you need. So that's another one where, you know, if they can bring in the right person who wants to grind and, and kind of recruit the Midwest and, and play in the in the Big Ten, I think they can have success there. If I were them, I would try and get out in front of, of maybe a potential Indiana move and, and call down to Dusty May down at Florida Atlantic and see if you could get in there.
0: Okay, so we mentioned Indiana. Mike Woodson might be moving on. You mentioned the Dusty May thing in Michigan. And Jawan Howard, that's not going so great. Does he come back next year?
2: It's That's another interesting
0: one. You know, they've,
2: they've so far been kind of putting their support behind him, and obviously a lot of change going on at Michigan with the – you know, Jim Harbaugh leaving after the national championship. That's another situation where, you know, you're you're kind of little brother even with the history at at Michigan because football is always going to take precedent. It seems hard to believe that with the season they've had and the health troubles that Juwan Howard has had and there's, you know, also been other kind of rumbling behind the scenes that that they would just kind of run it back next year. So I have to think that's another job that's going to come open. Um, You know, if you're asking me right now, I would be very surprised if, we get to the off season and, and Michigan makes the decision to, to run it back with Juwan Howard. But so far, you know, I think they've had every opportunity for either him to step down and move on. And, and they haven't taken it, obviously.
0: Justin, good stuff. Really appreciate all the time. And uh, I assume we'll uh, try to catch up with you again uh, in the next month or so.
2: Absolutely. Looking forward to it. Appreciate having me on.
0: Thank you very much. Justin Williams from the athletic, excellent stuff there. Is the coaching carousel has certainly begun. And, uh, you know, with the Holtman thing last week. And they actually let him go, even though his contract buyout lessons on March the 1st. So they didn't even wait till March the 1st uh, to let him go. So maybe they got somebody in mind. Maybe it's something going on there. Next segment phone call time 602 260 1060. Also, some bottom line answers from today's pipeline questions. And uh, time pending some local roundup stuff. Don't forget the extra point coming up and uh, at the top of the hour for the next two hours from 11 to 1, hosted by Kayla of course. Uh, we'll have more phone call time then too. 602-260-1060. Right now we are listening to Sports Zone, which you already know, right? You're listening to Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on kdu 1060 and Kiss Lux HD 2 100.7.
2: Best for the team, and we'll do what's best for you.
1: The Rich Eisen Show coming to you weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. here on KDUS AM 1060 and KDUS1060.com. It's time for today's local roundup.
0: Welcome back to the Sports Zone with on KDUS AM 1060 and HD2 100.7 in addition to local roundup. It is phone call time 602 260 1060. General discussion if you want to jump aboard, if you're on hold, will I'll get to you in a couple of minutes here. First up, uh, let's go through uh, uh, the bottom line, some bottom line answers from the pipeline, actually. Uh, of course, the uh, poll questions, of which we addressed a little bit in the last segment. Uh, we're going to definitely get to these and uh, answer these during the extra point hosted by Kayla. The uh, kdus1060.com poll question, which team has the best chance of winning the uh, 2014, uh, 2024 NCAA tournament? If uh, if Connecticut does not repeat, your choices are Arizona, Houston, and Purdue. Also, uh, which team of the X question today? Which team has been the most disappointing in college basketball between Gonzaga, Miami, and Michigan State? All right, quickly, let's get to the rest of the uh, pipeline questions and the bottom line right now. UConn last night. What the heck happened there? 85 uh, 66 losing to uh, Creighton. What happened? Uh, I was completely wrong about this matchup on Tuesday. UConn's 14-game losing streak uh, ended almost immediately. (laughs) The winning streak, I should say, ended almost immediately. They did score the first seven points of the game. (laughs) Then after that, it went downhill. Creighton made 14 out of 28 three-point field goals. UConn made three of 16 from behind the arc. 42-9, to the differential in points behind the three-point line. Not too many teams, even the mighty UConn, can be able to overcome that. Meanwhile, the Yankees would they become the favorite to win the American League if they signed Blake Snell? Uh, There's a lot of steam about this yesterday. Uh, Blake Snell, by the way, seldom has had two consecutive good seasons in his career. Also, the Yankees' other questions, I think, right now are you know, certainly uh, kind of thrown to the side. I've got questions about their defense. I've got questions about their offense. I've got questions about their starting pitching. Other than that, I have no questions. Uh, Right now, I think the Orioles, Astros, and Rangers are all ahead of the Yankees. Russell Wilson, uh, he has put his Denver home up for sale. Uh, It's expected that he's going to be cut here any second. Uh, Also, there are a lot of mock drafters out there. The media mock drafters have J.J. McCarthy uh, being the Broncos' first-round pick. And that uh, I'm no I have no problem with that. Uh, if they select him with the 12th pick of the draft, one thing you got to consider is the 2025 quarterback class is expected to be weak at best, uh, unlike this this year's group, which has several considered to be top-notch quarterbacks. Meanwhile, Rick Pitino should he look at himself and uh, instead of ripping his players, something we also talked about in the last segment a little bit. He is, without a doubt, one of the best college basketball coaches ever. However, you have to deal with a lot of stuff with Rick Pitino. Um, the current St. John's roster is his fault. He ran off some really good players. In fact, you can make a case that the, the best player for Butler and the second best player for Wisconsin were guys who played for St. John's last year. Uh, they would be you no know, you know, worse than the second and third best players had they stayed at St. John's, but Pitino ran them off. Uh, so it's his fault. What's going on there right now? All right, on to the phone lines we go. Rob and Mason, what's going on, Rob?
1: Hey, I was listening to uh, answer the poll question here. Um, I'm gonna. I was. I thought about this really hard, and I. I, I see Purdue as the uh, team that could possibly win out of the one seed. It's a crazy season though, because there's no dominant team anywhere. I mean, it could be a North Carolina. It could be a Tennessee. Creighton, I mean, what they did last night. I mean, but with Zach Eady, I think he's really improved on his passing game. Um, The guard plays a little better. I did not Mm -hmm. think of the Virginia similarities where they got put out number one seed. I was thinking that, you know, this year they're not going to get smacked in the mouth. They're going to be ready for that, that game and that tournament. And just because of what happened to them last year, um, but with, there's no dominating team out there. It, it could be a crapshoot. It could be any of the top three, four seeds in a in any of those brackets. I think.
0: I I, I totally agree with your assessment of Purdue. I mean, they've got they're you know the, to the freshman guards. Obviously, they're a year older now, but they've also improved. Uh, so they've coached yeah. those guys up. Yeah, they've also got a couple of you know guys, uh, you, know, one, you know, one transfer and you know one freshman from that wasn't there last year that contributed. So I think that they're definitely a better team this year. I disagree a little bit. I know they lost by 105 points last night, but I think Connecticut is by far the best team in college basketball. I don't, I really don't think it's terribly close, quite frankly. Uh, and I would be really surprised. I know it's a one-game crapshoot and so forth. I'd be really surprised if they did not repeat. I actually think that the Connecticut team, uh, you know, I know we watched this watched them get destroyed last night, uh, but I think the Connecticut team right now is actually better than one that won the national championship last year.
1: Okay, uh, I know Houston's getting a lot of love too until they just they just dropped yeah. theirs. Um, they, I think they're a year off, Houston. I'm not, I'm not quite sure that this would be their year though.
0: Well, they better win this year because they got those three senior guards that aren't going to be there next year. (laughs) So, uh, this is, yeah, they're, uh, I'm actually very surprised to ask this question to Justin in the last segment. I'm personally really surprised how good they've been this year in the Big 12. I mean, I just thought they were, you know, they, they had a nice run to the Final Four a couple years ago. Uh, but I thought everything went right for them at that point. And, uh, you yeah, know, they got to play an Arizona team that just weren't, wasn't equipped to play anybody with any speed or quickness or toughness. And they just spit the U of A right out of the tournament. Uh, but, you know, the fact that uh, th- th- they've gone on the road and won some conference games. You know, they, build, they played um, the Iowa State uh, earlier this week on Monday. Uh, that was a tough game to watch because those two might those two might be the best defensive team. In fact, they might be the two best defensive teams in the nation. Watching them play, I'm kind of hoping they don't play again because uh, it's just a difficult watch. And I appreciate their defense and so forth, but playing against each other, I mean, it's really difficult to score a basket. <laughs> I mean, like, no matter which team you're pulling for, or, or you know, it was. Points were hard to come by, let's put it that way. I've watched both the games that they played so far this year. Yeah, they each won at home, and I don't really need to see them play a third game, <laughs> even though a lot of times uh, I'd like to see teams play a third time, but not those two teams.
1: Um, not a top seed, but where do you see Grand Canyon falling in the tournament? Are they a 10-12 seed?
0: I saw him as like a 13 last week, Saturday when I kind of look through stuff really for the first time. I don't pay much attention to the seeding or the bracketologist until right about now. And I start monitoring from here on out. I made notes of this. Uh, uh, I use the Lenardi thing because it's just easiest for me to access. Uh, so, you know, and I used to have Lenardi back on my syndicated show 100 years ago. Uh, before he became Joe Lenardi, Mr. Bracketologist, uh, so I have kind of used his stuff. Uh, but I started to monitor. I haven't watched. I've watched hardly any Grand Canyon. That's my bad. I should have. You know, in fact, uh, I believe they do. They have the fewest losses in college basketball. I think they do now. After Connecticut so. lost, after <laughs> yeah, after you yeah, after after UConn lost last night. I think they both had two uh, before last night. So. Yeah, you know, good for them. Uh, they obviously have played pretty much nobody uh, so far. I, did they play San Diego State? They might have beat San Diego State uh, early in the, you know, the in early December year. or November. <laughs> yeah. So I'm. I wish I knew more. I, that's my bad. I, I will definitely uh, improve my Grand Canyon uh, basketball knowledge. The only thing I've heard about Grand Canyon is that uh, for some reason people in Chicago think that Bryce Drew's in uh, in the running for the DePaul job.
1: Oh boy! I yeah. Was, oh well, man. that
0: that's a program that, that's a program that should be good, and they're not, and they haven't been for a oh, long I, time.
1: I, a long time. I remember the Mark Aguirre, Cummings. The you know.
0: Well, I, I can Myers, go past people. that. Those
1: are yeah. years, and decades ago. But.
0: Yeah, but since then they had Quentin Richardson and uh, yeah Bobby yeah. Simmons and. I was living in Chicago then. I was a season ticket holder at the Paul because they played a good schedule, I, I wanted to go see a bunch of good teams play when I lived in Chicago. Uh, that yeah, that they've gone through a hundred coaches uh, since the Myers and uh, you know, Joey Meyer left, and so forth. And uh, yeah, I don't understand how they, that many players in Chicago. It's a basketball hotbed. There's a lot of good high school players. They just can't keep them at home. Rob, I got to go. I appreciate the call, though. Thanks. Thanks, Bob. Okay. Good stuff there. I have heard the the Bryce Drew thing a few times, including on a couple of national, highly thought of national podcasts. His name has come up, but would he take that job? He's you know, he obviously played at Valpo. Uh, you know, Valpo is a following in Chicago because it's in northern Indiana, etc., uh, so that's that's in one of the I don't know how many names have actually been mentioned for that job, but his name is one I've heard with uh, I wouldn't say frequency, but when that topic comes up on podcast or I think I heard it on uh, you know, CBS Sports Network a couple of weeks ago. Also, his name is coming up uh, as far as a possible successor uh, at the uh, you know the next the next in line at the Paul that like I said. That's the one program I just don't understand why they aren't good. And they're terrible. Carving out time in your afternoon for the Doug Gottlieb Show right here on KDUS AM 1060, 100.7 HD2, and KDUS1060.com. Weekdays from 1 to 3 p.m.
1: It's time for today's National Roundup.
0: Okay, Rapid Fire National Roundup for today. Welcome back to the final segment of today's sports zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1016, Lux HD2, 100.7. So college basketball for tonight. I've pinpointed three games here. Illinois at Penn State. Illinois opened a 7.5-point favorite. That has not moved. Total opened 158, uh, down to 157.5. If I were going to do anything on this game, I would take Penn State plus the points at home. Uh, Florida is at Alabama. That game opened Alabama 8.5. It's still 8.5. The total's gone down from 176 to 174. If I were going to do anything on this game, uh, I'd be on Florida in the points. I'm not going to bet either of these games. I might bet on the next game, though. Colorado State's at New Mexico. That game opened New Mexico 5.5, 155.5. The total, New Mexico's up to seven uh so I'm, in, I'm interested in the colorado state side here uh but i need to find out if they got anybody injured because i'm a little startled that this went from five and a half to seven in the last like hour uh or two uh when i first looked at this actually it was yesterday but uh it's gone up uh, in the last you know i'd say 90 minutes i think it could be more accurate so I'm not sure what's going on there. I gotta make sure nothing uh, injury-wise. I'd probably might even wait till the start of the game or right before the start of the game. Uh, but if I do, do anything in this game, which is possible, I would be on Colorado State uh, getting at least seven. At least at this point, uh, the current number sitting at seven. All right. As far as some other quick things here, uh, you know, we mentioned Creighton. Uh, you know, they have lost actually. Yeah, you know, they still keep. They have not won a game. Uh, you know, excuse me, uh, I'm sure you're afraid. UConn has never won a game. of crate. I got that right. My bad on that. Obviously, we talked about that game a lot in the uh, second segment uh, with uh, you know with Justin and uh, and so forth uh, as far as uh, you know the around college basketball and so forth. So a couple other things there. Uh, meanwhile, quick leaks from the NFL. A couple things. The Falcons over the last month have gone from uh, plus 275 to minus 110 in some of the casinos and sports books that take odds on uh, who's going to be, uh, you know, where's Justin Fields going to land via trade. That's uh, something that i suggested that he go to the Falcons via trade uh, back in December, in part because he went to high school in Georgia, obviously went to the University of Georgia before transferring to Ohio State, and the Falcons desperately need a quarterback. And the Bears would be foolish if they kept Justin Fields for another year. And uh, instead of, uh, you know, they need to draft Caleb Williams and trade Justin Fields. So the betting market seems to think he's going to Atlanta. At least the betting market in the last few days seems to think that that's where he's headed. All right, that's it for the sports zone for today. Uh, Coming up next, next two hours, the extra point hosted by Kayla. That'll include more phone call time, 602-260-1060. This has been the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp. Thanks for listening.